Thanks for tuning in to the Fertility Health Podcast, hosted by renowned fertility specialist Mark Trollis, MD. Each episode features first-hand advice and potential treatment news, tips, and strategies listeners can use on their fertility journey. And now, here's your host, Dr. Trollis. Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Trollis. And today, I wanted to discuss something that's on our minds continuously for the last, gosh, month or two now, and that's the coronavirus, but, but specifically how it is affecting the, those that are challenged with infertility. So we know that your delay in trying to conceive is devastating. Uh, then to be told that you're, when you finally make a decision to go to a fertility clinic, and then take that step to get aggressive with, with treatment, you feel like you got punched in your gut because now you're on hold. And and I know that must be just heart-wrenching for you all to have had to endure. Uh, so gradually, we are resuming treatment cycles slowly, carefully, judiciously to ensure your safety and the staff's safety and, and continue to mitigate the risk of this virus. So when I thought about what what subject we would talk about uh, for our podcast, I reached for the best person I know to talk about coping strategies, stress reduction, going through this kind of crisis, uh, because all people are experiencing uh, some degree of challenge, of course, with the stay-at-home orders, and and mental health issues are are, are becoming significantly increased over the uh, over this time period. So with me today is a dear friend. This is uh, uh, Dr. Janie Lacey. Uh, Janie is a nationally known psychotherapist, and she is the founder of Life Counseling Solutions, enriching lives through psychotherapy work, and and has been also on on TV and and all media appearances. Uh, so impressive in what she's done. She treats all form of mental illness, substance abuse, grieving, job stress, emotional disturbances, sexual abuse, and parenting. She recently got her doctorate in clinical psychology, which I'm just so excited to have learned and, and so proud of her for doing that. Jenny was one of the Onyx Magazine's 2020 Women on the Move honorees, along with being one of Orlando Magazine's 2019 Women of the Year. So she's so impressive in, in, in her aspirations. 2018, she was the Enterprise Business of the Year Award by the African-American Chamber of Commerce on Central Florida. So I am delighted to bring on Janie uh, to the podcast. Hi, Janie. Welcome to the Fertility Health Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Trollis. I'm so glad to be here. This is a topic that's just so relevant and so near and dear to my heart right now. Uh, absolutely. And, and thank you for understanding that. So we have had to counsel lots of patients on uh, the delay in pursuing fertility and we're slowly starting to resume, but it's still not to the degree that we were. And so people are still on hold and not just uh, the, the basic infertility patient, but patients with medical problems were recommending that it not proceed because they're at high risk of getting COVID. So, what so so what are you seeing in your practice uh, of of uh, of people being affected by the stay at home 
and the fear over the coronavirus. Are you seeing much of this? So we're seeing a lot of challenges because of the covert to relationships and to people's mental health. And some of the challenges were there before. And in particular, when we look at the infertility community, we're looking at people that already had feelings of losing control and loss of self-esteem, financial strain, you know, marital stress, sexual pressure, family pressure. So when you think about what happened with COVID and now having the threat and having to take all these extra cautions, it's doubled mental health challenges, relational challenges, and just the overall stress that couples and families have been experiencing. So hearing that people are coming to you with these concerns and being anxious over it, what are some tools that you use to help them through this? So some of the tools that we use to help people through this time is first we look at what was the coping mechanisms that they had in place before. We all already have resilience. We already have ways in which we've managed our stress. So the first thing is what were we already doing to take care of our stress, to take care of our mental health? That's the first thing. And then the second thing, we recommend reconstructing a new normal and that can mean with our routines and our rituals, not exactly adding anything new during this time, but keeping what we've already done and looking at our new schedules and the things that we have and just reconstruct and create routines around that. The things that we want to stay away from is just thinking, I'm just waiting for this to end. Because we're in it, so we want to make sure that we're coping well, we have good stress management techniques, we have community, there's lots of different things we can do during this time by using our technology to stay connected. Um, so those are some of the basic things that we start off with some of the patients that come in that have been affected during this time. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was so accurate when you talked about they're waiting for this to end. There is not really an end in sight at this point. I mean, estimates today in the news, and you know, you're getting updates like almost hourly, right? So estimates today are that it could this could be with us for a year or two, uh, and and we are adjusting accordingly. So given that the stress and anxiety that people are experiencing, and that we don't know when the end is coming, uh, I know that there's risks of substance abuse, and are you seeing more of that now? Yeah, so what we are seeing during this time, especially in these last eight weeks, we're seeing a couple of trends. So we're seeing an increase in substance abuse, alcohol abuse. We're also seeing an increase in um, what we would call process addictions. That's gambling, um, online gambling. We're seeing an uptick in um, pornography usage, pornography discovery by parents, um, finding out their, their teens um, are having some compulsion. We're also seeing an uptick in actually affair discoveries uh, because now people are home with their spouse and if there's a lover, they're getting anxious about um, not being able to see their um, affair partner. And we're seeing a lot of domestic abuse and just toxicity in relationships increase because there's so much tension, there's so much concern. When we think about concerns that were already there, if people had financial strains, if they already had marital stress, sexual pressure, all of these types of things just get exasperated during times, um, during these lockdown times. Now, fortunately, you didn't have to stop seeing your clients uh, because you could do telehealth. This, this, this has to be uh, extremely challenging for you uh, because uh, you're probably being inundated. Are, are you noticing that you're seeing more people coming to you now than ever before? 
Absolutely. Just as most businesses going into this, we were concerned that, you know, clients would be um, concerned that they wouldn't have access or they wouldn't have the financial resources, but the opposite has actually happened. We've seen, uh, we've compared to our last years during this first quarter, we've seen an uptick in new clients, in particular couples. So couples are the number one um, uptick that we're seeing, basically just what I mentioned, just so much um, marital stress. And what we're seeing is people also use work as a way to avoid each other. So if we're going away to work and we don't necessarily, we're just tolerating each other for the family or, or whatever our value systems are, then when we're home and now we're working, both working from home, we realize that most couples are saying we realize we don't even like each other and everything that was there before that we were avoiding is now kind of coming to the surface. So they're being forced to deal with challenges and deal with issues, which on one side of the street, right, is a good thing. Um, so then that means that we're getting a lot more people that are interested in couples counseling, marital counseling to deal with all the family stress and marital stress that was probably there for a long time um, before this. They just weren't dealing with it. So the lockdown has kind of forced people to look at each other and say, okay, well, what do we really have in common or, or what's really going on here? I'm um, forcing them to, to face it. So being able to do telehealth, people still have access to therapists and psychologists even during this time to be able to work through some of their emotional and psychological and relational challenges. Do you do you think I think I know the answer to this, but do you think that there's the underlying mental illness that is now being manifested because of this kind of stimulus, if you will, they're being hit with this uh, no choice, uh, their, their, their backs up against the wall, that they really don't have any options? Or, or, or do you think that this is something new like a post-traumatic stress disorder? I think there's a combination. I think there are things that were already there that was laying dormant, that wasn't dealt with. And then we have, in our field, we're talking about we are anticipating the second wave of COVID and that being the psychological wave. You know, when people are coming out of this and being in these situations, all of the mental health challenges that were now manifesting because of these, um, because of these current times, the uncertainty, the fear, anxiety, stress, all those things, that um, some people will have a delayed response and how it's going to affect their life from a mental health uh, standpoint. So I would probably say it's probably a combination of, of both, and we are anticipating um, as we are collecting data and watching what's happening that some people will be coming out of this with some PTSD-type effects and post-traumatic stress um, as a result of what they've experienced during these uncertain times, during these times of family stress um, and things that, may not have been dealt with before. And having children at home, sometimes people are used to um, having to make a new adjustment. So they're not used to homeschooling and having their children home all day, and then you're also still working from home 40 hours. It's a lot of pressure for a lot of families. And if the couple is not already strong and working together and having a partnership, it just creates stress for the entire family. And children can, can pick up on that stress with the parents. So I think about the grief cycle when... Uh when we're in the middle of this kind of a crisis and you have denial and anger and bargaining and depression and acceptance. Do you find that that applies to this circumstance? I would say it definitely applies to this circumstance because we have experienced the loss. No one was anticipating the challenges and the changes that were that just kind of hit a lot of people suddenly. 
So there was a loss of their quote-unquote normal. So then during this time, having to make an adjustment with any loss, we have to make an adjustment, which is that bargaining. It's kind of thinking through things. And, and then there's this anger, and then anger is depression. And then we get to this place where I think most people – I'm seeing more more people than not right now are getting used to this new normal and almost anticipating this to be a new normal um, to a certain degree. So going through that and allowing ourselves to feel what we need to feel is normal. What's, what will happen, what will become abnormal is if we get stuck in any of those stages. If we come out of this um, and get resumed to some level of having some of the quote-unquote, freedoms restored and people are still stuck in a grief cycle, that's where it can become a challenge for most people. So we know, so we know that infertility patients are inherently uh, affected uh, psychologically and emotionally uh, with, with their inability to conceive naturally. So they feel isolated. They, they feel ostracized from their peers, uh, feel like a failure, uh, and they go through such a a vicious cycle, a roller coaster on a monthly basis. So that, and then adding coronavirus, has to be playing such a significant toll on on their emotions. How how would you help women that are having challenges right now? So the women who we are currently working with that have this challenge currently, some a couple of things that have been very helpful to them. And the first thing I would say out the gate is a support system. Right now there are online groups for women um, that have already been struggling with infertility challenges, but now through COVID exactly feel isolated and all of those emotions that they were feeling before have now come rushing in. So I find that the women I'm working with find um, solace and they find peace when they are with other women that are experiencing the same exact thing and have a, a certain level of understanding unless you walk in their shoes you don't understand. So the first thing is getting them in a support group and right now there are um, many online that they can tap into. Just have to have, most of them just have to have a brief assessment to make sure they're a good fit with the group. So having a support system is the first thing. The second thing is having a ritual of healthy self-care activities. So we kind of look at the things that they did before that brought them joy, that brought them peace, and some of those things conclude um, meditative practices in the morning, prayer practices in the morning, um, taking a walk in nature, listening to their favorite podcast or uh, comforting positive music, those types of things to kind of start their day off. We also teach them breath work and how to breathe um, and take some time to breathe and have grounding exercises if they get too stressed and they feel overwhelmed. So depending on the, the female, we will go ahead and give them um, techniques to deal with their stress management, to deal with their daily anxiety throughout the day, and then get them in a supportive community. And then as well as giving some name and to be able to talk about and give a framework and enormously to reduce any shame that they feel around what they're going through. So, you know, for those listeners who would relate to that, it's to get into a supportive community, to get some good self-care practices that they can do daily, that they can make sure that it's part of their day. And then third, whether it's a journal or whether it's a therapist or whether it's a counselor or a coach, someone that they can have a private space to where they can explore all of their feelings and give name to it and have a framework around it and to be able to have that level of someone holding space for them, which will reduce any shame that they may feel. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fertility Health Podcast, hosted by Dr. Mark Trollis. Dr. Trollis's new book, The Fertility Doctor's Guide to Overcoming Infertility, Discovering Your Reproductive Potential, and Maximizing Your Odds of Having a Baby, is now available from Amazon or your favorite bookseller. Inside, you'll find great information and insight with the only general guide to infertility written by a medical doctor who specializes in the subject. Give yourself the best possible odds for getting pregnant and having a baby with a concise and encouraging companion. Available today. Now, back to the episode. Excellent, excellent advice, Jane. I think about evolutionary-wise, why we are more focused on negatives or threats. And, you know, if you think about it from that standpoint, teleologically, it's because that's how we were able to survive. If we knew that that was coming at us, uh, we had to be, be aware uh, so that we could survive. W- why do some people get um, debilitated by focusing on what they don't have on the and and let me tell you that was me i mean when when my when when andre and i uh, went through infertility my gosh i mean i felt i was under niagara falls i keep saying i, I, I just suffocating over that that challenge and and all the myriad of emotions but why do some focus on that and others are be are able to keep things a little bit more in perspective and 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 be more grounded, if you will. Very, very difficult. Have you seen anything in your research uh, on, on, on this, uh, of what makes, those, make, what makes people different? How do they accept this differently? Absolutely. Um, I can probably speak about that all day, but I will uh, make it very <laughs> short and put it into two categories. So when we look at that, we're looking at mindset. So we're looking at a growth mindset and a stuck mindset. So those that get into a stuck mindset, it's usually something that's uh, based in a foundation. So if we come from a family system where the foundation was a lack, where our parents were always talking about things they didn't have or saving up for things we didn't have, and we learn to long for the things that we didn't have, right? So if we make it very simple, we'll put that in one category. Where the growth mindset is we had a mindset from a very early age, it became part of our template to be um, to have gratitude, to be grateful, um, to focus on the here and now. And then as we develop, what depending on the bucket that we come from, those are going to be our drives. So those that have a stuck mindset, we can get stuck in a loop. A loop is what we don't have, what's going wrong, the negative feelings, and all of that stuff. And then we get caught with a fantasy. A fantasy would be only if A, B, or C exist, then that will make me happier where the quick um, antidote to that is our happiness is really generated inside of us. So when I'm working with couples, couples are constantly pointing their finger at each other. Well, only if he does this, only if she does this, where ultimately a secure couple will say, I can be happy, and if she's sad today, I can have empathy and I can notice her sadness, but it's not going to change my day. And that would be where we would put them in the growth mindset. The growth mindset is, okay, this is how it is today, but this is not how my tomorrow is going to be. So how would I want my tomorrow to be? And let me figure out what are the steps I need to do to generate what I see for my tomorrow. And that growth mindset is actually going to take the steps to do that. Where someone that has a stuck mindset, 
it's real easy to fall into the, the victim mentality because they've also been groomed that way, and it takes a lot more energy to pull them out of that. So they need more support. They need more people around them that have a positive mindset. They have to have a spouse who's almost like a cheerleader. I mean, so there's a lot of things that need to be in place when we have a stuck mindset because it's not going to be as easy as we can just generate that ourselves. We need a good support system around us and have positive reinforcing things to push us forward where a growth mindset has already had some of the resourcing and tools inside themselves to kind of look at gratitude and what they're grateful for and looking at the things that they have today and make a plan for the things that they want for their tomorrow. And, and believe me, Dr. Charles, I can break this down and spend a whole workshop on this all day, but that's the simplest uh, answer that I can, can share with your listeners at this point. Well, I'm going to make it even broader. That would take weeks for you to answer the question, but we don't have that kind of time because I want to talk about that. Your, your, your answer made it got into a little bit of the nature versus nurture. So what you're saying is that uh, do you feel that the upbringing um, is a dominant force in, in an individual's outlook toward, toward what they have and what they don't have? It can be a dominant force because most of it is, is we're driven by our unconscious mind. So when you look at a child's development from their earliest, um, from zero to about eight, they're just sponges of the emotions, their environment. So it's their unconscious mind that gets programmed. And then as adults, we focus on our conscious mind, what we see, what we feel, and we don't realize that underneath the veil of consciousness is our unconsciousness, and that can drive some of our behavior. That even drives a whole other conversation, but that even drives the partners and our spouses that we pick, right? Because they're going to either add to where we're going in our future, or they're going to help us recreate what we felt in our past, right? So there's um, this evolutionary feeling that our foundation, our caretakers, the experiences that we have – we're either going to do something what we call repetitious um, trauma repetition. We're going to create that same thing over and over and over again. So if I'm a child that came from an environment that was lack, my parents didn't have anything, my mom would eat at the sink while the children sat, right, because she's the last one to eat, because um, she's always doing for everyone else, and that's my role model as a woman. I keep seeing her being the, the last one. She's always um, sacrificing herself from other people. That's going to be caught in my subconscious. So then, as I'm a woman, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have a conflict to think, if I'm putting myself first, am I selfish? Or what does that balance it? So we have to examine, it's not all of who we are as an adult, but it plays a role. And if we're not curious about our upbringing and how that affects our beliefs, our values, uh, the life that we create, sometimes we come from a lack, so we run to abundance, um, and we get driven from because we don't ever want to feel that lack again, but that also can be another level of dysfunction if we don't have it balanced out. So we definitely want to be curious about where we've come from, especially from an emotional and mental standpoint, because it will affect us to some degree. If we have depression in our family, if we've had anxiety in our family, substance abuse in our family, this is the, the environments of which we grow up. We grew up in, it will affect us to some level. It's just a matter of we're conscious of it so that we can change it. Yeah, and uh, uh, my just spot on in every, everything that you're saying, of course. So it's almost that's, uh, that we're saying it really is stress as a choice as well. I mean, we, we can react differently. Different people react differently to different stimuli, right? And I always give the example to my patients. You're, you're, you're in traffic, right? And look around. One person's banging on the steering wheel and the other person's singing in another car, right? Same stimulus, 
but somebody is is interpreting it differently, and it's very very difficult to do. But we have a new acronym uh, that we're trademarking with our practice, and it's HOPE. And H-O-P-E is have only positive energy. So I, I, I believe in that, although it's not easy when, when things are sort of turning against you as it were, but but that kind of mindset is obviously very, very healthy. And And gratitude, all of my reading, whenever you're talking about these kind of events, Gratitude seems to play such a major role in enduring these kind of challenges, correct? Yes, and there's two things that, that you said that I want to spotlight. One is that we do have a choice, but for some people, choosing the positive energy takes a lot more energy because they have not done any unlearning of their negative energy, right? So we have to unlearn and then relearn, and then we can get to a place of having positive energy and reacting, responding versus reacting very differently is the first thing. And the second thing is if we look around and you think that some of the, my patients and clients, is I have them keep a gratitude journal, that each morning, part of their morning ritual, because I am a big believer in that miracle morning um, uh, mindset, and the first thing you do is you give the first fruits of the day to yourself, not to your children, not to your spouse, to yourself. And if that means you even have to get up earlier to do what you need to do, to exercise the journal to do that. But in that gratitude journal is to write five, and if they haven't done it before, I have them do it from a very basic sense, five to ten things that you are grateful for in this moment. And then write those same things down for the same exact words for the next seven days. And it's amazing how much that shifts a mindset in just a very small way in a step approach to really focus on what are you grateful for, what are the blessings that you have right now. Because when we look back at things that have occurred, people get into that depressive state. But if we're so focused on the things we don't have or what's not happening in the future, then it brings up anxiety. But if we can teach people to stay grounded right now and to, and to think about all the things that they're most grateful for and then not to just think about it but to write it down where they can see it and they write the same things that they're grateful for for the next uh, five to seven days. And for those listeners who are listening, a very simple practical, practical um, exercise that anyone can start today, it is amazing the results. Um, when they do wow. that. Wow, that, that, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I love hearing that. I think that's just such such terrific advice for, for our patients coping with, with coronavirus, coping with infertility. And so what you're saying really is to, that we need to train ourselves those, those, with those tools, but also for some, retrain ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this could go on and on and on. Uh, and I'm sure the feedback that we're going to get is that we're going to have to have you back. Uh, but at, at this point, um, we, are, we have run out of time. Uh, Janie, I can't thank you enough. Um, you, you've always been there uh, over the years for, for uh, great advice, and uh, you are truly an asset to, to our world. Uh, so congratulations on all your accomplishments, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be with us. Thank you so much. Glad to be of service. Thanks for listening to the Fertility Health Podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, check out the IVFcenter.com for all the notes, links, and tips mentioned in this episode. If you're not already subscribed to the show, please press the subscribe button on your podcast player so you don't miss a future episode. And if you haven't given us a review or rating on iTunes yet, consider leaving a five-star review to help us reach and educate even more individuals in need. 
Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next episode.